We began last week talking to you on the subject of stay strong, so we're going to continue that today. But before we do that, let me welcome the campuses that are joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm glad that you're with us today. Wherever you are, whatever campus you're at today, we believe that God's already ministered to you, but we're going to go into the Word together and receive what God has for us today. Would you take your Bibles today, all of you that are watching as well as those here, and go to the book of Judges, the 14th chapter. Uh, we began last week talking about the story of Samson. Now, Sta- Samson is known as the strongest man in the Bible. Uh, he is referred to as the one who God's power would come upon him, and he would be able uh, to do mighty acts. He would do wonderful things uh, on behalf of the children of Israel. And so that's why we've entitled this ser- sermon series, Stay Strong. Uh, because what we find about Samson is, is that Samson's life is greatly used of God, but Samson also struggles in parts of his life as well. In fact, today I'm going to be talking about the place of compromise, because what we find happening in Samson's life, even though he is an anointed mighty man of God, even though God uses him greatly uh, throughout uh, his uh, rulership and being a judge in, in the children of Israel there, what we find is is that Samson begins to compromise what God had told him. Now let me let me kind of set the stage for you this morning. When when Samson's mother and father could not have children, years later an angel of the Lord came and spoke to them and said, you're going to have a child, but here's what I want you to do with this child. This is going to be a special child, and that's what we talked about yesterday, that we're all special, I mean last week, that we're all special in the sight of God. And, and said in that, that whole aspect there that he was talking about when the angel said, he said, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a covenant with me and, and God, and, and here's what I want you to do. Don't ever let Samson touch anything dead. Don't ever let him partake of anything that's alcoholic. And also, don't ever let him cut his hair. And so, that was a sign of a Nazarite. It was a a certain tribe of people uh, in the children of Israel who did those things. And Samson is set aside to be that unto God. But what we find in Samson's life is that Samson uh, begins to compromise some of those things in his life. And so we'll talk about that today. But let's just read there in the 14th chapter, uh, beginning in the first verse. Uh, and, And it says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. And says, when he returned, he said to his father and his mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now go get her for me for my wife. Now, isn't that interesting? His father and mother replied, basically is what they're saying. And I'll just paraphrase. Aren't there any good Jewish girls you can marry? That's what they said. And, and it goes on to say, but Samson said, nope, I want her, and I want you to go down and, and get her. Now, he, here's, here's what I, I want to begin with today. In all of our lives, every one of us, it doesn't matter who we are, we have to understand that every person has weaknesses in their life. I don't care how wonderful you are. I don't care how marvelous you are. doesn't matter how holy you are. Doesn't, every individual, every person has weaknesses in their life. And when you begin to read the story of Samson, we find that Samson's weakness was women. Bottom line. I mean, he does, he does good until a woman gets involved. And, and in this story... Uh, the, the Scripture says that he sees this gal in, of the Philistines, and he said, man, she is a knockout. She is hot. Go get her for me, for my wife. 
I know that's not what the King James Version said, but that's what he said. He said it in Hebrew, but he said it, all right? And, and so the, the Bible uh, lets us know that they arrange the marriage and the whole thing, and, and they go down, and, and I'll just, again, you can read the story, but I'll just tell it to you. They go down, and they have this party, but on the way down, the Word of God says uh, that Samson runs into a lion. And, uh, and he, his mom and dad are with him, and he didn't even tell him. He just kills the lion and, and goes on his way. And a few days later, as they're, they're in this whole process of getting the marriage arranged and all that, he comes back by, and he goes back to where the lion is. And the, and the Word of God says that bees had, had come into the carcass of that lion and had built, built a honeycomb, and that he reached in, and he took the honeycomb out and that he didn't tell his mother and dad where he got it. He came and he fed them and they ate honey and it was all this great thing. And then they have this process. Now, now, you, now wait a minute. Let me back up a second. All right? I want you to hear this. Remember one of the things that he wasn't supposed to do was to touch anything what? Dead. But guess what he did? He touched a dead carcass of a lion. So it's no big deal. I just wanted something to eat. I just wanted a little something. I, it, it looked good. It sounded good. It wasn't going to hurt anybody. And so I, I just partook of, of a little bit there. And then the Bible says that he goes down and they have a party. And when you begin to read about the party, it is a party. All right? I mean, it goes on for days and days and days. Again, indicating that now he's breaking another one of the vows he's made to God. Because at the party, come on, you know, you know about the party. I know you saved and sanctified, but you know about the party, right? At the party, there's a little something, something got in the punch. I love Christians. We can act so... I don't know what he's talking about, Martha. What is that? <laughs> really? All right. And, and, and in this, he, he gets all bold, and he, he tells a riddle, and he says, uh, uh, if anybody can answer this riddle, he said, I'll, I'll, give them, I'll give all 30 of these guys. He said, I'll give them all new clothes. And, and here was the riddle. He said, uh, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Well, we know what it was. It was the lion, and out of the lion came the sweetness. But the Bible says nobody, none, none of the people there could interpret what he was saying. And so, now watch this. The, the wife that he has just married, the Scripture said, began to cry, and she cried for seven days. That's a way to start your marriage off. Because, here's why she's crying. Because the men came to her, her, the Philistine men came to her and said, find out from your husband what this riddle is. And so she starts crying. You, you don't really, if you really love me, come on. If you really love me, you'd, you'd tell me what that riddle means. And he held out for seven days. I think that's pretty good. I can hold out for about seven minutes. <laughs> he held out for seven days, and finally he told her this, what it was, that it's a lion, and it's honey. And, and then she goes, he's dumb. She goes and tells, and I'll prove this in a minute. She goes and tells these guys uh, what the riddle is. They come back and tell him, and then he gets mad and goes out and kills 30 guys to get their clothes. No, y'all missed it. 
I mean, he, this has nothing to do with the children of Israel. This has nothing to do with being a mighty man of God. He's just mad that they told the story and he's supposed to fulfill a bet that he made. And so he just goes out and kills 30 innocent guys so he could have their clothes. What is he doing? In the whole process here, he is compromising his relationship with God. Every time that, that he begins to get closer and closer and closer to, to the area of what God has told him not to do, he is moving away from his relationship with God. And that's what we all find ourselves doing. And, and then uh, the Bible says that he, he got a bunch of foxes, and, and I don't understand this, but it said he tied their tails together and put firebrands between their tails and let them out in the field, and they ran and burned up all the crops of the Philistines. And again, he only did it because he's ticked. He's mad, and so he, he burns up all the, all the Philistines. And then the Scripture says because he did that, then he leaves. He goes back to, Jeru or to Israel, and, and the Scripture says because he did that, the Philistines came, and they burned up his father-in-law, and, and, and the whole process there is, is just destruction, destruction after destruction after destruction because he is not willing to fulfill the vow that he's made to God. Another point in time, his own people get so tired of what he's doing, they take him and give him to the Philistines. And they have him all tied up in ropes, and they, the children of Israel walk away, and he breaks the rope, reaches down, grabs the, the jawbone of a donkey, and kills a thousand soldiers at one whack. I mean, he's, he's a pretty mean dude. And, and yet what we find is, is that he is, he is constantly moving away from his relationship with God. And then there's one verse. It's interesting. There's one verse that just says this, and Samson ruled Israel for 20 years. It drops it in there, and right after this part, it just drops it in there and leaves it. Because right after that, then it goes and it says, and Samson saw a prostitute and went into her. Now, when was it ever a good idea? Are y'all all right? When was it ever a good idea to see a prostitute and to spend the night with her? Again, Christians acting holy. I got it. it, it I mean, and, and, and the Scripture just kind of lays it out there. He goes in, and, and the Bible says that the, children, uh, the Philistines hear that he's there, and they're going to come out after him. But he gets up in the middle of the night, and he grabs the gates of the city and takes them so many yards away and just sets them on top of the hill to prove how strong he is. But Samson's got a problem. Samson's a mighty man of God, but he's got an issue in his life. And that issue involves women. Scripture goes on to say that he saw a woman named Delilah. We've all heard about Delilah. We all talk about how bad Delilah is. I just think how stupid he is. Amen. Be because she continues to push him toward sin. She continues to ag him on. See, here's, here's what happens in our lives. Here's how compromise happens. Compromise doesn't take you from being in the house of God to being in the worst place you can imagine. Compromise takes you just a little bit at a time. Just, 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 just a little something. Oh, I know the Lord told me not to touch anything dead, but man, there's some, there's some good stuff in there. I'll just get that and, and it'll, it'll be okay. 
I, I know the Lord said, you, you know, I shouldn't be drinking, but, you know, it, man, it's a party, and I'm getting ready to get married, and it's, you know, it's, it's my bachelor deal. I, I got to get, you know, I need to get a little drunk. And every time he does those kind of things, he moves closer and closer and closer to the enemy and further and further away from God. Somebody asked me recently, they said, do you believe in eternal security? They said, do you, do you believe in predestination? Do you, and we were, we were talking about this subject. And I said, I believe that most of us struggle with this whole aspect. Because what we find happening is, is that in our lives, we live so often in such a compromised position that we don't understand the glory that God wants to give in our lives. See, the aspect is not, am I saved or am I lost in the sense of once saved, always saved. The aspect is, am I at the point of living in the glory that God has for my life? Am I living up to the potential that God wants me to live? Am I living that John 10, 10 life, that life that is more abundant? Samson, for 20 years, lives an abundant life, but then he reverts back to the old ways of life. And I want to show you how he, he begins that downward spiral. Would you look in the 16th chapter in the fourth verse? It says, sometime later he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Let me, let me show you what happens with sin. Number one is sin starts with desire. Sin starts with that. He saw. You remember in, in the Old Testament again in, in the book of Genesis where it says that Eve saw that the fruit was good? See, sin always starts with desire. Samson looks, he sees her, and he desires her. Now, he has not sinned. But his desire begins to lead him away from God. The person who struggles with any addiction, the addiction is not what rules their life. The desire rules their life. It doesn't matter what the addiction, it's the desire. It's that I, I can't get it out of my mind. I, I think about it. I dream about it. I, 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 when I'm awake, I'm, I'm at work, but I'm thinking about the addiction. I'm thinking about the thing. I'm, and, and, and on and on and on. Why? Be because that desire is working in my life. The Word of God goes on to say in the fifth verse there in, the, in chapter 16, it talks about that once he gets into this relationship with Delilah, that the rulers go to her. Uh, and they say, can, can, you, can you get out of him the secret of what his strength is? And they said, if you'll do that, what we'll do is, is that we will give you a bunch of money. And, and, and so what you find is, is that not only does sin operate in desire, all of a sudden he starts hanging out with the Philistines. See, the second thing about compromise and that sin does is that sin affects the company you keep. Look, I've, I've been pastoring for a, a little while. I've done this a day or two. And, and I, I can tell when somebody is beginning to compromise in their relationship with God because I begin to see who they're running with. Who are they hanging with? Are they as faithful as they used to be? Do, do, they, do they continue to show up 
like they used to? Are, 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 they, are they sitting where they used to? Or, or all of a sudden, are they kind of easing out and easing? And, and all of a sudden, you begin to say, wait a minute, who, who are they hanging with? Who, who are Samson, what are you doing? You're, a, you're an Israelite. You're a man who has a covenant with God. What are you doing hanging out in the land of the Philistines? What are you doing running with those people who are pagan worshipers of another God, and here you are living in that place. And then if you know the story, you know that she says to him, you know, why don't you just tell me? And I, I'm sure there was some favors involved. Again, Christians. I, I'm sure there was a little something, something going on as she's saying this. If you really love me, baby, you know, I'm here and, you know. And, and so look, look in verse 7. Verse 7 says, Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Verse 11, he said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. What, 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 what's he doing? See, let me, let me tell you something about sin. Sin brings small bondage first. If you tie me with bowstrings, I'll be, I'll be like any other man. And they do. She does. And Samson, the Philistines are on you, and he jumps up and breaks the bowstrings and whipped a, whipped a bunch of them, and she starts saying, you really don't love me. If you really love me. If you really cared about me. So he said, well, if you tie me with new ropes. You understand the symbolism here? Bondage. There's, it's, it's little. It's not huge. He still have power over it. He's still able to break it, but, but he's playing with it. Nobody starts off with sin expecting it to kill them. So he's talking about ropes, but watch what happens now. Look in the 13th verse. It says, Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me. You've been lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. And watch what he does. He replied, if you, wait a minute, we've gone from ropes. Now watch what he says. If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with a pen, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he's asleep, Delilah took seven braids of his head and wove it into the fabric. Samson, are you that stupid? So what are you waiting on, Pastor? I'm waiting on us to wake up. Because it happens all the time. It, it's the small thing at first, it's no big deal, but all of a sudden we then 
begin to slowly. See, sin has you slowly compromise. It doesn't just take you in one fell swoop from being an on-fire person who's living for Jesus Christ and loving Him to a person who is totally away from God and backslid. It's just a little bondage, a little compromise. All of a sudden, you start playing with the very thing that God has called sacred. See, sin has you slowly I mean, the, listen, the devil's been doing this for a long time. He's, he's pretty good at it. And, and we're all sitting here today, and, and those listening, we're saying, boy, I, I would never do that. Ever heard the name Anthony Weiner? Congressman. You would think had better sense. You lose your Congress position because of indiscretion. So now you're running for the mayor of New York. Or, or, do y'all, y'all live in the same world I live in, or y'all still too holy? And you're ahead in the polls. But you want to take some more pictures and send them to somebody else. Are you that stupid? Yep. Because in the moment that sin begins to operate in our life, what happens to us is, is that all of the fabric of our life begins to be warped. And we begin to turn away from those things which are the most precious. The guy that takes the head off the crack pipe, who's the mayor of Toronto, what an idiot. You are the mayor of one of the largest cities in Canada. And you're hitting the crack pipe. You really? What, what, what is happening to people? It's as old as the Old Testament. You start playing with it. You start thinking, I can handle this. It's just one hit. That one hit becomes another hit, becomes a weekly hit, becomes a daily hit, becomes an hourly fix. I can handle this. I can look at this. It won't bother me, but before long it wraps you up that it consumes your every waking moment. I can go to lunch with him. I can go to lunch with her. We can just hang out. We're just good friends. Our, our companions will understand. It's all in the sense of business. Little flirting, little, little, you know, little gift. Doesn't mean anything. All of a sudden, your hair gets caught. Oh, you're still going to come out of it. You're still going to wake up, and, 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 and you're still going to shake yourself, and, and, and you're going to be able to pull out of the, the weaving of the enemy, but you're getting closer and closer to destruction. Right. 17th verse. So he told her everything. No razor's ever been used on my head. 
because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. Here's what sin finally does. Sin finally attacks your source of strength. In that moment, it comes in. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. If you continue to read, he goes to sleep again. He must have been one sound sleeper. She shaves his head. And she says to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Verse 20, 20 and 21 there. It said, and he awoke from his sleep and thought, now watch what he said, and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him. They gouged out his eyes. They took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. The saddest part of this whole thing that I just read to you is where it said, and he did not know that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. Why? Because he came to church last week and lifted his hands and praised God, and he still felt the power of the Holy Spirit. He still had a hot, hot ta ta off his tongue. He, he, he still was doing all the stuff. Hang on a minute. There are moments where God's mercy says no. Pastor, don't you believe in grace with all of my heart? Don't you believe in mercy with everything within me? But there are moments where mercy says no. No more. It's enough. And here's, here's the aspect about sin. Read a story. Sin binds, sin blinds, and sin grinds. He's blinded. He's bound, and he spends the next several months or years grinding like an animal. Ask the person who's addicted to drugs how much fun they're having. Every waking moment, they're trying to figure out how to get the next, who they're going to steal from, who they're going to pilfer, how, how they're going to do it. And, and, and it's not so they'll feel good, it's just so they'll feel normal. But nobody could tell them that the night they went to the party and everybody else was doing it. And see, here's what we don't understand is that when we begin to compromise our walk with God, we don't know when we're going to cross that line. We don't know the moment that mercy is going to say, Door's closed. Now suffer the consequences, Samson. I, I, I know this is not a, a sermon that we really probably want to hear. 
But some of us need to take a moment this morning. It's like right now your hair is in the weaving loom. And you're still able to get up and shake yourself and walk back out. And it's as though nothing has happened. But if you're not careful, you're going to cross the line. And you're going to come to that place where the symbol of your covenant with God is broken. How can you commit adultery when you wear a wedding ring? How can you look at that when you're sleeping with somebody else? How can you, once you've been baptized in the name of the Lord, continue to live in sinful relationships and sinful condition and then expect God just to totally ignore it? Let me help you. You all right? I know it's tough. I'm not called to be your friend. I'm called to be your pastor. You're not always going to like what I tell you. I'm not always going to like what I tell you. But if the house is on fire, somebody ought to scream fire. If the train is coming and you're on the track, somebody needs to get you off the track. And so I'm here today in the sense of that one who sees the coming destruction and I'm saying, wake up! Compromise this, you compromise that, you, 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 you kind of gave in a little bit there and your relationship with God and, and you're not reading the Bible like you need to and you're not really praying like you ought to and you're not really on fire for God and you haven't told anybody about Jesus in weeks. But you're still saved. You're still coming to church, but your hair is getting entangled. And if you're not careful... The enemy is going to whisper in your ear sweet nothings one more time. And when he does, you're going to tell him the secret of your strength. And when you do, he's going to have you. And the mercy of God backs off and says, for a season, read the Bible. The Apostle Paul said, you know that guy in your church that's committing sin that not even spoken of among the Gentiles, that he's got a relationship with his own mother? said, cast him out of the church for a season so that, the, that Satan may work him over. I, I know it goes against some theology of some people. So that he can be saved. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes back and says, hey, you know that guy? Put him back in. He's got his act together. Can, can I... Can I give you just three things real quick? Let, let me help you why we compromise. All right, you ready? Even though we're saved, there are still sinful longings down inside of us. I've been saved a long time, but I, I still have sinful desires. Wow. Again, Christians, right? What are you going to do with them? I mean, pastor said he had sinful desires. Yeah. 
I do. I'm not going to give you my list. It's between me and God, but, but they're still there. Oh, yeah, I know I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I know that. But there's still a war in here. There's still a war right here. I still have to wake up and fight it. Because if I don't fight it, my head's going to get shaved. Somebody asked me last week as they were leaving, they said, they said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. They said, can the, can the devil put thoughts in your mind? Can he read your mind? I said, nope. I don't believe he can. If you're a believer, I don't believe he can. But here's the second thing. The devil triggers these desires by outside influences. He knows you. The enemy, the, the Bible talks about familiar spirits. I don't want to get real weird here. The Bible talks about familiar spirits. All that a familiar spirit is is a spirit that is familiar with you and your family. And, and, and it knows what to trigger. It knows what to bring in front of you. It knows what you need to see. It, it, has a, it can't make you sin, but boy, it can make it tempting. So all of a sudden there's this thing goes by or this situation that happens and well if you really want to know if you just cut my hair I'll just be like everybody else oh that's it yeah now watch when the desire of the old nature and the temptation that is outward come into agreement it triggers lust Now, don't think of lust in the sense of only sexually. The word lust just means strong desire. In that moment, whatever the issue is, is that the enemy's come by, he's placed this situation, he's placed this person, he's placed whatever in front of you, and you allow that old nature to rise up against what God is calling you to, and you allow this situation to come and to happen. And when it does, watch what happens. All common sense goes out the window. Samson, are you that, I mean, again, I've said it numerous times, are you that stupid? Yeah. Because in that moment, I'm not thinking about my relationship with God. I'm not thinking about my relationship in his life with the children of Israel, with my mother and my father, the covenant I've made with all of them. I am not thinking, all that I'm thinking about is my immediate gratification. You know what the Bible says about lust? When lust, lust has conceived, it brings forth death. Samson dies in that moment. Oh, yeah, it's months, maybe even a year or so later. But Samson in that moment dies to what God has called him to do. Oh, oh yeah, I promise. Next week it'll be more fun. <laughs> Next week we'll figure out how to get back right and all the stuff. 
but, but sometimes somebody has got to stand up and scream in our ears, wait a minute, you better wake up because you're about to lose everything you hold precious in your life. Lord, I didn't know it was going this way. That was me and him. I wasn't talking to you right then. I thought I was just going to deal with a little bit of issues and move on, but I think God's trying to talk to us. I think the Holy Spirit's trying to awaken some of us and awaken me and say, what is it that you're playing with that's going to bring destruction into your life? What is that relationship with someone or something that, that you, it's okay, and it's, but, but it has the potential to destroy you. Right now, you can handle it. I can handle it, preacher. I know. I know, but I get these phone calls that says, got one this week. I just want to call you, Pastor, and tell you my marriage is over. I said, can, can, can we not? No, I'm, I'm, I don't want to counsel it. I don't want to talk. I just wanted you to know. I, I, I respect, but, but I want to tell you my marriage is over. So maybe I'm a little on edge this morning. Because nobody starts out, nobody goes into marriage to divorce. We, we believe we're going to stay strong. This is, this is the one that God's put us with, and, and they're our soulmate, and we've been wanting to have a relationship like this all of our life, and then all of a sudden, I know I've gone past my time. My timer went down a long time ago. But I'm speaking to you as your pastor right now. I'm not talking to you as a, just a, a man who's preaching. I see too many train wrecks right over the horizon. I see too many people who take their relationship with God way too lightly. I, I see too many love and truth people who God becomes so far down on your list of priorities. Oh, I, I still come to church. Man, that band's hot. I worship God. It's good. Then I go out all week long, and I don't think about God. I don't pray. I don't ever read the Bible. But then I come back on Sunday morning, and it still feels good. I must be all right. I just shook my head again. There's a moment. Adam comes, so I'll stop. There's a moment. I, I don't know what you guys are going to edit on this one. There's a moment where you run for mercy and mercy turns your back and says, not this time. A few years ago in Texas, a lady named Carla Faye Tucker, I hadn't thought about this in years, Carla Faye Tucker had been involved in a brutal murder. She was sentenced to death row Carla Faye Tucker had a, a, an unbelievable encounter with God in prison. Changed her life completely. 
She was high on drugs the night that she committed this murder. Preachers, pastors from all over the nation vouched for her conversion experience. They petitioned the governor of Texas time and time and time again. But at the end of the day, mercy said no. And her life was taken because of the life that she took. You'll see Carla Faye Tucker one day in heaven. Believe that with all of my heart. But there are some consequences to sin on this earth. We've had 11 incidences in our city over the past 10, 11 days of shootings. Maybe this is why we need to wake up. Oh, pastor, it's all gang related. It's somebody's boy. It's somebody's girl. It's somebody's child. And if we're not careful as the church, come on, stand. I don't know how I'm closing this. If we don't somehow wake up as the kingdom of God and the people of God and start living for God with all of our hearts, our city doesn't have an answer. More policemen won't stop this. It's got to be a change of heart. But if Christians are compromising, if we're living like the world, Come on, just take a moment here. I don't know. Some of you need to make a decision right now. Your hair is about to be cut. You're about to cross the line into a place that you never thought you would go. 20 years. Samson ruled Israel with integrity, with righteousness, with godliness, with wisdom, fortitude. But there came a moment when he stepped over the line 